Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hello and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. Got another great show for you today because I'm talking to a, a client, a friend, and a really, really smart dude. One of the more accomplished entrepreneurs I've yet to have on this show. His name is Barry Acock. Mr. Acock owns a company called Ag Explore. They have been a client of mine, brought me in to speak to all of their employees. Mr. Acock also owns cotton gins, meat shops, nursing homes, restaurants, and lots and lots of farm ground, uh, as well as he's now dabbling into professional basketball. So, Mr. Acock, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here today. Well, I'm really glad to have you. And now here's my, here's my thing. Okay. I just gave the quick and dirty on, on you, but what I think our listeners need to know is you've got a neat background. Came from a real simple background in southern Missouri, and then you started a cotton scouting business when you were 18 years old. Is that right? That's correct. Around 1987, I started walking cotton fields for a living. And I've done that, Damien, for about 27 years. I think this past summer was my second summer I didn't walk cotton fields. And quite frankly, I haven't missed it yet. No, no you haven't. And our non-agricultural listeners, which are most of them, okay, so I'm a farm boy from Indiana. Uh, Barry's an ag guy from Missouri. And they're saying, what is cotton scouting? So just so these, these folks understand how hard that is, you're out there in the middle of the summer and you're looking for disease problems, weed problems, diagnosing so that the farmer can get a better cotton crop. Is that what cotton scouting is? It's mainly, well, on cotton, it's mainly insects. You're looking at the economic threshold for insects. For example, you know, for a city slicker out there listening, if a farmer's got a thousand acres of cotton, back in the old days when my grandpa farmed cotton, he would go spray the whole thousand acres. With a cotton consultant or cotton scout, you check each field and see if the insects at economic threshold, and you may only spray 80 acres out of that thousand acres. So, so you're saving the, the you're saving them money while preserving the crop and getting them more return on their investment of land and resource. That's what a cotton scout does, right? Correct. You started doing that when you're 18 years old. You're just turned 50. You've had a hell of a ride in the last 32 years from cotton scout to now you own two cotton gins. Cotton Gin, for you dear listeners, is a processing facility for the cotton crop. Again, he owns 15,000 acres of farmland. He owns a company called Ag Explorer, which puts inputs into uh, the soil for agricultural output. Two meat shops, two restaurants, two nursing homes, and as I said, dabbling in sports. So let's go with the, uh, the background. What does it take to go from being an 18-year-old kid out there walking cotton fields to where you are today? Well, Damien, that's, <clears throat> that's a really good question. I'm not sure there's a simple answer to that. There's a lot of luck involved and a lot of persistence. But I went to college to be a college professor in agriculture, got my bachelor's, master's, and PhD. I was going to go teach ag three hours a day in college, get my tenure, and not really work that hard. So I was scouting cotton during college, so I kind of took a, a right turn and decided that cotton consulting three or four months out of the year started looking pretty good to me, not working for eight months, because as you know, as well as I do, Damien, work is really overrated. Making <laughs> money is really fun, but the work part of it's overrated. Yeah, I've never, work. 
work I'm, hard, not smart. I, I think you can work smart and you also, the, to get to where you know the difference, you've got to work hard before you understand how to work smart. That's kind of my thing. And so, yeah, I was on that, on that dairy farm growing up out there, you know, busted my, busted my hump when I was a 12 year old, 14 year old kid. I learned about the hard work and it took me, uh, like you did waiting, waiting until you're a little older and you say, Hey, I bet you I can do this smarter. So yes, Barry Acock has a PhD. He thought about being a professor and he said, wait a minute, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And you've done that at great, well, to, to great success. By the way, if you happen to be uh, listening to this and saying, Hey, I think I've heard of this guy. Well, Barry Acock also gave me a nice testimonial for my book, do business better which will be coming out uh, by the time you're hearing this podcast, most likely. Do Business Better was read and then complimented very nicely by Dr. Barry Acock. Thank you, by the way. Damien, it's an awesome book. Not because I'm on your show, but I feel like there's a lot of business principles that everyone can use in your book. From a school teacher to a cattle farmer to a tattoo artist, anybody that's in business can get something good out of your book. It's I call it the Bible of business. I really appreciate that. The Bible of business is my book, Do Business Better. And while we're talking about the principles that are in that book that apply to anybody, so the first person listening to this show right now is saying, Barry, tell me about some of those principles. Well, I talk a lot about traits in the beginning of that book, risk tolerance, drive, resilience, and vision. What's the most critical? Well, all of them are, in my opinion. But I'm going to call these words different than what you do, just because that's what I call them. You call the same thing, something different, but resilience and perseverance and risk. Those are three things that my whole life that I've strived hard to, to, to do. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the class. The straight A students not running the world right now. It's us B and C students who have perseverance that never give up. Yeah, I agree with that. I always point out that uh, honor roll uh, doesn't doesn't win the race. It's perfect attendance. It, you know, there's all kinds of folks that have actually. We talk about grade inflation in 2016. 47 percent of the high school seniors all had in the United States had straight A's. So, wow. uh, so I think we have grade inflation going on, and we're convinced that somehow grades, 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 honor roll, honor roll, honor roll. Now, granted, you and I both are educated. You more so than me. But it's showing up. It's the perfect attendance and the perseverance that is the key to success more than the academic achievement. I agree with you 100%. It's the never quit attitude in every business. But you do have to take some risk. My dad told me one time, my dad worked for a grocery distributor for 39 years. And he said, Barry, I hope you do better than I do because if you're punching the clock every day working for the other guy, you'll never have anything. And I really took that to heart at an early age. I didn't want to work for the other guy. Really, we work for everybody, but really we work for ourselves. Yeah, now that's the thing I always point out that while people say, oh, well, you're self-employed or, oh, Barry, you own your own business. But the reality is we work for everybody. You work for your clients and your, your customers and you work for the people that you sell your product to and the folks that you serve in your restaurants. And, you know, we all work for other people. But it's interesting that your father said that a career guy, 39 years in a normal job in the grocery industry, whereas my parents were not entrepreneurial at all. And my mother always went with the whole thing of, you got to get a good job, get a good job. I mean, she just carried on, 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 get a good job, get a good job. And I remember by the time I'm like 16, 18, I'm like, I'm not, I don't know about this. I might want my own, I will create my own job. So in doing that, what was, uh, what was the, uh, the impetus for you then to say, all right, dad was right. I'm going to do this. 
how bad was the risk? How many nights did you lose sleep? Uh, how much money did you have on the line? And of course, well, I've never had, <clears throat> I've never had any problem sleeping. I'll say that. <laughs> but there was a lot of days when you didn't know if you were going to make payroll. There was a lot of days where you didn't know if you were going to be able to pay your shipping bill. When I first started Ag Explorer, I had a lot of people helping me out there because I would get like 60 to 90 days credit on shipping and raw materials. I remember one time, Damon, you'll appreciate this, but when I bought my first 40 acres, I actually drove through the ATM to get the cash off my credit card to make the payment. That's fantastic. Uh, Ag Explorer, you started the company Ag Explorer. And again, dear listeners, Ag Explorer sells, uh, to make it very simply, they sell crop inputs, but Ag Explorer's main product is a nitrogen sustainable product, a nitrogen fixating product. Am I saying this right? It's a nitrogen stabilizer. And, and what that does is it makes the nitrogen stay in the soil longer for the plant to be able to use it, which makes it then it, the plants uh, more productive with less inputs, right? That's correct. It's a product called Contain. It's the only nitrogen stabilizer on the market that gives you above and below ground control from leaching, denitrification, volatilization. What year did you start Ag Explorer? 1999. Okay, so 20 years now on Ag Explorer. Uh, you care to give me any numbers, any success stories about what Ag Explorer is doing now? Ag Explorer went from zero dollars in 1999 to around 50 million in 2018. That's fantastic. So we've we've gone from zero to 50 million dollars of sales in 20 years with Ag Explorer. You decided then that you needed to branch out. So besides owning the farmland and then and then the cotton gins, which you said are recent, you got into nursing homes. Tell me about that. We know nursing homes are very, <clears throat> very political and very uh, lucrative in, in most states. But, you know, with the baby boomers coming of age, I just felt like there was a demand. Yeah, really there, that's all there is. There is. Those are both not too far from where your operations are in southern Missouri, right? One of them's in Sexton, Missouri, which is about 25 minutes from my house. The most current one is in, up by Columbia, Missouri. Okay, do you see this expanding? Are you going to buy more nursing homes? I don't have any plans to right now, but you know, I didn't plan on buying the one up by Columbia, Missouri. It just kind of fell in my lap. Okay. Two restaurants. Tell me about the restaurants. Well, I'm partners with a professional wrestler named Jerry, the King Lawler. And while I'm majority owner, both of them, his name's on the front door because obviously he's a million times more famous than me. He's got 2 million Twitter followers. So he, he really drives the business. He's a WWE hall of famer. And that's been a fun investment. I can't say it's been a big money maker, but one of the restaurants is on Bill Street, which is a tourist trap. And we do a lot of business there. I'm not saying we make a lot of money there, but we do do a lot of business there. The other one's in Cordova. It's more of a family barbecue type place. All right. So real quick, if somebody listening to this show says, Hey, I'm in, I'm going to go to Memphis next week. I'm going to go to Memphis. I'm going to walk down Beale street. The restaurant's called is Jerry, the King. What's his last name? Well, the restaurant's name's King Jerry Lawler's. King Jerry Lawler. Lawler. Got it. King Jerry Lawler. So you're in the restaurant business. So we talk about these different things that we've all learned from being an entrepreneur, and you've obviously learned a ton, and you keep chugging along right now. And we talked about those traits. What trait do you struggle with? What, what thing do you, do you say, man, I really need to step up my game on? Because even though you're as successful as you are, there's probably something mm-hmm. you say, oh, I wish I was better at. Well, you and I have discussed this many times, but you've asked me how many business plans have I put together? And the answer is zero. 
<clears throat> so I'm not a very good organizer or planner. I kind of shoot from the hip. Have you ever heard the terminology bullseye planning? Yeah. I shoot at the wall, then move the bullseye over to where the bullet is. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I do too much of that. You, you and I have talked about that because uh, here's a guy that's got a lot going on and doing very, very well, and you've never had a formal business plan. As In case you're listening, dear listener, and you're saying, wait a minute, no formal business plan? No, no formal, formal business plan because formal business plans are fantastic if you want to borrow money. They don't, necessarily, they don't necessarily have any purpose if you want to make money because bankers love business plans. But bankers also thought that the drive-up window was a revolutionary new concept. Bankers are not entrepreneurial. My friend Barry Acock and guest is. Okay, so you're not great with business plans. What habit do you have that you think is something that's really done well for you? Like something like on a daily basis, you just are really adamant about you do this, and it's probably been helpful to you. That's a good question. Since I'm not very organized, I really can't answer that question. But I've, I've, pretty got, this, I've got the same routine every day. I have very poor sleeping habits. <laughs> I usually stay up until the job's done. I usually go to bed at 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. every night, and I'm not really what you call an early bird. So I've got poor habits when it comes to sleep. The early bird doesn't get to worm with me. Yeah, well, you know what? I always point this out because I'm not necessarily – I've become more of an early riser as I've gotten older. But, you know, they always said the early bird gets a worm, and I said, who the hell wants worms? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I know a lot of successful folks that are just like you. They go and go and go, and then when they crash, they crash hard, and then they get up, and they're, they're so rested. And what, you get up at 8.30 or 9 o'clock, and you're ready to go, right? That's exactly right. So, I try not to make any important decisions till after nine o'clock. I'm good and awake. All right. Where have you steered your ship in the wrong direction? Uh, we've all made mistakes. You've probably done something that you look back and regret a decision, an investment. What'd you do wrong? Well, when we launched Enzone Max, which is a precursor to our contained product, um, there's a lot of problems that popped up with application. I didn't foresee those happening. We should have done more testing. But a lot of these spinner trucks and airflows, we were stopping those up like crazy the first year we launched Enzone Mag. So even though that's been a wildly successful product, and I believe it's the best product on the market, we had a lot of hiccups right when we started. We had a lot of uh, retailers calling us, not talking so friendly about <laughs> stopping their uh, spreader truck up or airflow truck up or their, their blender or mixer. So it wasn't a very pleasant time for me. So your product, your product had enough problems that it caused problems for your customers, which then, of course, they told you about. Did you think that it was going to be the end? Did you ever get to where you thought, oh, my God, this is it? Oh, yeah. It was an, I would call it an epidemic right when we launched Enzone, Enzone Max. It was such a wet product, and I, I never thought that it would cause the problems that it did. But, so, yes, I thought, I thought it was the end of the world. Okay, you thought it was into the world. And then have you ever been in a situation where you were convinced beyond just a product problem, your finances and, and uh, other things aligned up against you and you thought, okay, this really could be it? I can give you a lot of examples, but I'll give you one that's near and dear to my heart. The EPA gave me about a $450,000 fine at one time. I had about 300 infractions, which if they walked into your house, they would find 200. But I was using seaweed in my products. And that was killing the whole world in EPA's eyes. So yeah. actually when the EPA agent came in and flashed his badge to me, he wanted to see my seaweed source. So I went back and stuck my finger in it, ate some of it in front of him. You know, seaweed's used in sushi and vitamins, 
We use it in a lot of our ag products. Right. And to be quite honest with you, they didn't even care what was in the products. They cared what we had on our labels and in our brochures. So, yeah, when I got that $450,000 fine, it was all over the newspaper. Yeah, I thought, oh, crap, this is, this is going to really hurt our business. But yeah. really wasn't a big deal in the big scheme of things. I, I paid, they let me pay 1% interest. And actually, one of my U.S. senators helped me get it reduced down to about two twenty. <laughs> let me pay 20000 every three months. So it was a big deal at the time. I was in shock. But it, in the, looking back, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, but the bureaucracy and the regulation, and you were doing nothing wrong, uh, or at least you didn't think you were doing anything wrong, and then there's a labeling issue, and then all of a sudden, that's the kind of stuff that an entrepreneur says, wait a minute, I wasn't counting on this, because $220,000, even after the reduction, is a heck of a lot of money going against your bottom line. you got to sell a lot of gallons of product to make up for that, but I'll just tell you, part of my find was that I had an economic advantage, the EPA said. And to this day, my competitors are still claiming the same thing on their label, so... I kind of took it for the team. I didn't get a lot of thank yous from my competitors, but part of my find was that I had an economic advantage. And my competitors are still doing the same thing with the claims on their label. I mean, things like increased root growth. Now, fertilizer can increase root growth, right, Damien? Yes. They call, that a, they call that a pesticidal claim. That's the type of stuff I got fined for. And like you said, the bureaucracy for an entrepreneur and small business is bad when the government gets involved because Region 7 EPA is the one that fined me. If I would have been in Region 4, they never would have even said anything about it. So there's not even any continuity within the different EPA regions. That's the frustrating part. That's a very frustrating part. And here we are, we're out here trying to drive our business forward, and then we don't know which hoop to jump through. We jump through the hoop for Region 7, Region 8, and that makes it really hard on us. When you look at what, uh, what you're doing now, Okay, versus what you did five years ago. How's it changed? I think the older you get and the more things you set in place for your, for your businesses, the more you work smarter instead of harder. Mm-hmm. I think I work a lot less physically now and I work a lot smarter. You put the right people in place to get the job done. And I think it's an evolution to get to where you're at in your businesses. Yeah. Now there's a, there's a big problem. And if you read the E-Myth by uh, Michael Gerber, he talks about entrepreneurial people tend not to be really good uh, business owners sometimes because they are really good at the practice, really good at what they do, but they're not really good at managing people. Have you struggled to manage people? I would say that's one of my best strengths. I treat everybody like a human being. Most people that work for me would tell you that I treat them like family, not just another number. You know, we have over 100 employees now, and I know every single one of them by first and last name. I just don't go to the back and say, hey, you. I know what's wrong with their parents. I know what their kids are doing. So I think the biggest strength is just, you know, human capital is my most important resource, and I never take that for granted. Fantastic. Now, you talked about my book. And I really appreciate you talking about my book, Do Business Better. And I, I think there's some really good points that everybody in business for themselves or want to be in business for themselves can learn from it. Moving forward, we talk about success traits, for instance. We talk about knowing your personality and those things that you want to do to get ahead. I think there's a, a big deal about now you're 50 years old. What's the plan, even though you don't have a business plan, to stay, to stay there? 
longevity, so to speak. You've pulled it off for 32 years. How do you pull off another 32 years? That's a really good question. That's something I contemplate every day. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I've stepped down as the CEO of AgSplore. Tim Gutwein's the CEO starting January 1st, and it's really freeing me up. I want to invest in businesses that I'm interested in that are no-brainer as far as making money. I don't want to get those 10 to 15% returns. I'm looking for 40 to 50 to 100% returns. So I feel like I was a risk taker at one time. I'm still a big risk taker, but I want the investment to be a no-brainer. Okay, so what your answer is to achieve longevity is to remove yourself from day-to-day CEO of one particular company, and now you're the CEO of Barry Acock Enterprises. You are the you are the overseer of the whole umbrella. That's a good way to put it. You know, you can get bogged down in day-to-day activities of one business, and it really takes away from others. I mean, I was so focused on AgSplore for 20 years. I mean, I lived, eat, breathed it every day. And that's the reason it was successful because I really, many times I would get there seven, eight o'clock in the morning and not leave till one or two o'clock in the morning. Now, some of those nights I might've been playing ping pong with some of my employees. It wasn't all work, but uh, there was a lot of work there. By the way, playing ping pong with employees is is valuable to building a business. I'm sure of it. So now now the issue is longevity. All right. Now you're looking at investments. What else? Do you, have your, do you have children? Do you have, do you have a future plan on where this happens, where this business goes? Well, hopefully all the current businesses keep growing like crazy, but I don't really have a big broad plan. I'm just taking it day by day and looking at the deals as they come in. I mean, I'm looking at tilapia production right now. Everybody likes to eat except you, but uh, there's many different businesses I'm looking at right now. I just don't eat as much as most Americans. So here's the thing. Uh, what does success look like for you five years from now? You still like working. You enjoy working. You get a lot of fulfillment out of it. What happens five years from now? Well, that's a good question. And like I said, I don't really, I'm not a planner. I don't plan far ahead. I'm just no, taking but, it as but you have a vision. You have a vision. I'm just going to keep buying businesses that make money and are no-brainers. Now, let me say that like, Money's important to everybody, but it's not really important to me. It's the challenge of making it. My wife asked me what I did for a living whenever we got married or before we got married. And I said, I don't really have a job. I have a lot of hobbies. So if you enjoy it and you view it as a hobby, you'll never regret waking up in the morning and going to work. Okay. Last thought. You're, you're looking, you're looking down the road. You want to always continue working. You like doing what you do. You like the challenge of making money. You like the challenge of building business. And now you bought a G league basketball team. You want to bring basketball to the state of Missouri because there hasn't been basketball, the professional level in Missouri since I believe what the spirit of St. Louis ABA franchise. I think that was 1959 or somewhere. Now. I think <laughs> NBA championship. Okay. Or NBA, maybe I don't know. Yeah. So what's the deal? You got you got a G League basketball team now in your in your pocket. What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm, I just tried to get in the NBA circle there by buying a piece of the Dallas Mavericks G League team. They're called the Texas Legends. Actually, I'll be there Tuesday night at the Texas Legends game in Frisco. In the Dallas Mavericks game Sunday night, if anybody would like to join me in the luxury box. <laughs> okay. But. Uh, the NBA is really expanding right now, and I'm looking to maybe invest in a Spanish team because the NBA is moving into to Spain. 
they're moving into Mexico, they're moving into Africa. So I'm really, really focused on looking for a good investment for my own team, either in Missouri, Spain, Africa, or Mexico. That's fantastic. Closing thoughts, one idea, recommendation, tidbit you want to share with our listeners. And by the way, you're going to be back again someday because I love talking to you. What's one thought, closing idea, idea, thought, notion, closing words? Any entrepreneur not, or any I'm business not very, I'm not a very philosophical person, Damon, but I'll just say, set your goals high. Never, ever let anybody deter you off the rail. Um, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but you should have a lot of smart people around you and never give up. Persistence pays off. Persistence. Don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Keep showing up. By the way, I was going to put in there, don't worry about what time you wake up. It's all about productivity, not wake up time. Cause that's one of your biggies that I agree with you on. It is. I'm a night owl. <laughs> you can call me at midnight and I'll talk about anything you want to. But if you call me at six o'clock in the morning, I'm probably going to be a little groggy if I answer the phone. You're awesome. Barry Acock has been my guest. He's got a company called Agasport. Barry, if these people want to look you up, how do they find you? I know I keep up with you on Twitter. Tell them where. www.agsplore.com. And my email address is on the website. Okay. What about Twitter? At Barry Acock. Barry Acock. That's B-A-R-R-Y-A-Y-C-O-C-K. Am I right? Yes, and you'll notice that Damien and I get in a few sparring matches with each other, and sometimes we team up on other people. It gets kind of fun, doesn't it? That's right. You want to keep up with both of us. You'll see us out there. All right, until next time, this is the Do Business Better podcast. Thank you for being my guest, Barry Acock. Thank you.